0: Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled, multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. I am pretty happy about today. I'm excited about my message this morning. Uh, Do me a favor share this social media. Go ahead and take a picture, post it, tag us. But most importantly, be active in the chat. Uh, It's going to be different, but stick around. It's going to be good. And I'm looking forward to watching with you. Good
1: morning, Revival Life Church. Good
0: morning.
1: Hey, it's Sunday morning. Who's ready to do some church? Pastor Tracy, myself, Carl Thomas, here we are in Boca Raton. We're doing church today. Hey, so crack open your Bible. We're gonna get in the Word. Brandon's not gonna break his neck. Good morning, beautiful people. How you doing today? Man, oh man, was that? Do
0: you remember that intro? That was the very first remote video message that we did of 2020 feels like about a lifetime ago now. Uh, Hey, I'm Carl Thomas. I'm lead pastor of Revival Life Church. Worship, so good. Mike and Lillian, we so appreciate you uh, just leading us in the presence, always going after the gold there. So good. Uh, uh, You know, we just had Christmas. Hope you had a good Christmas. Hope you got everything on your list. And let me tell you this, um, this is kind of one of my favorite parts of the year because now I know what was purchased on my Christmas lift list and I can just go buy the stuff I want. My birthday was yesterday. I want to thank everybody who blessed me for my birthday. People, you know, send me messages and just sent me love. I, I, feel, I feel thankful for you all, thankful, thankful for my wife and my family. Uh, Corey and I decided this year, 2021, excuse me, uh, we're having birthday parties like it didn't happen. My son turned 20. Uh, uh, Mike Rentler turned 40 plus um, this year. I turned 50. Uh, Corey turned 30. So this, this is the year. Uh, we're having the parties this year. All right, just so you know. And um, man, this has been a journey. This year, this year has been a journey. And uh, I, I have to say, <clears throat> I got, I got, I got, I, I got some good news. For you, the end is near of two thousand twenty. Can you give me? I'm here preaching, and I'm active in the chat because that's the anointing of God right there on my life. All right, I'm I'm burning time here. Okay, so two thousand twenty has been. Uh, every year, what, what I like to do is I like to look back and reflect. <clears throat> I, am, um, I like to, at the end of a season, I like to look back and reflect, figure out what I learned. Uh, I, I like to not, you know, move on like stuff didn't just happen. I like to know what happened and learn from it and grow. I don't want my life to be uh, rotating uh, the same lessons over and over again. I, I want to move forward, and we can't move forward unless we look back, figure out what got us, where we were this year, how we dealt with it, and how we take those lessons into the next year. Super important that we grow as people, we grow as Christians, that we're just growing as part of the human race. We just, we, we want the anointing of God, we want to learn of Him, we want to not have to learn the same lessons over and over, circling that mountain like Israel did. And man, was this year full of lessons or what? It was like it was coming at us, full strength. The beginning of the year, things seemed all right. It looked like the biggest thing that was going to happen was a crazy election season. Uh, the, the, the false prophets were already getting geared up, you know, cranking out their uh, words. words, and, um, and, and the Lord had spoken to us. We've talked about this a lot. The Lord spoke to us. We're going to be good neighbors to our city. We are going to love our area. So we have this Good Neighbor Message Series. You remember that? Yeah. I want you to be my neighbor. Um, and we just started going in. We, we just decided that we were going to minister to the people in front of us here. year. And as Christians, we, we can't just look past the people we're familiar with. We can't just look past the people who are hurting and say, well, they've always been hurting, or that, that person's always been broke, or they've always been sick, and, 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 and somehow feel like that excuses us from showing compassion. God knows who He put in our lives. He knows where He put us. He knows the city that we're in. He knows the divine appointments that we have. And those of us who really listen for His ear, we even look for who the neighbor is. But this year we, we kind of started digging up some old teachings so we can really learn the timeless lessons of Jesus. We dove into Luke chapter 10 and the story of the Good Samaritan. We really camped out there for a long time. And if you remember, remember, uh, there was the four guys in the story and we like to say, you know, who, who do you picture yourself as in the story? And you remember we got the the priest and the temple worker who passed by the injured man. And we got the guy who was the Samaritan and the Samaritan stopped for the injured man. And Jesus told the story and the answer of the question, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And we have to remember, okay, why, why does this even matter? Why do we need to be concerned? about our neighbor? Why do we need to be concerned about the person passing by? Why do we need to be concerned? What's the bigger picture? We sometimes just think, what's in it for me? But we're actually here to serve Jesus. And it's important to Jesus how we portray the church of Jesus Christ. His body. Super important. And if you remember, Jesus taught on the earth about three and a half years. His teachings changed the world they set off the prominent people in the government. They set off the Romans, the Sadducees, the Pharisees. People were super, super irritated with him. And, um, and we think about all that he taught, all that he did. And as we meditate on that, remember we talked about that Barna poll that did a survey of the Millennials and Younger, which is most of you out there. And they said, of the non-church, non-religiously affiliated Millennials, they asked them, what do you think of Christians and Christianity? And two of the highest answers were that Christians are homophobic and Christians are too political. You remember that, right? This is what Christianity is known for. And if we think of all that Jesus taught and did, this is not what he wanted to be known for. As a matter of fact, this is not his core teachings at all about preserving a national government. It's not. And we talked about the importance of getting this right. And we we talked about in 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 the marketplace of ideas, we need to be in it. And as devoted Christians who follow the teachings of Jesus. We need to be the loudest voice in that marketplace. We need to be proponents of the teachings, the real teachings of Jesus Christ as true disciples of Christ. You you remember the story. In the story, uh, we we summed it up really easy. We don't want to be these guys, the guys who passed by the injured man on the road. On the road, once want you to remember that. We want to be this guy. We want to be the guy who stops for the hurting on the road. And we, at the end of this message series, I had a word. And there was five people in this story. There's the two religious folks. There is the good Samaritan. There's the injured man. And there's a fifth man in the story that we don't talk about a lot. It's Jesus who is telling the story. And the truth of the matter is, we want to be the good Samaritan but we are really that man on the side of the road who needs Christ to come and save us. And just like all of us who gave our lives to Christ had Jesus come and save us, we could be the hand of Christ for someone else. This was super important. We felt the Spirit of God on this message early in the year, even in the pandemic. We felt Christ was all over this. He was compelling us to be good neighbors, to care about the people, in our community. And I had no idea how prophetic that message would be in 2020. As we went on, uh, God talked to us about being thankful in the midst of hard times. He taught us about communion in a little term called Eucharisteo. You remember that? And how important it was to our lives? Watch this.
1: This receiving with thanksgiving, the Greek is the Eucharisteo. Now, I know that's not how you pronounce it, but that's how we're going to say it today. Eucharisteo. It literally means to be thankful. He received it with thanksgiving. Now, this word Eucharisteo, it's wrapped around the root word charis. Charis means grace. Literally, this Eucharist, this communion envelops the grace of God. This this charis, this grace of God based on the word carol, which is joy. This joy brings grace and it's wrapped around the table of the Lord that we receive with thanksgiving that releases the joy of God in our lives. We don't have to have our lives based on anxiety. We don't have to have it based on worry or feeling that time is slipping by. We actually get to be in the presence of God. Of God. This deep joy that God has for us, this deep Kara joy that God has for us, is found at the table of the Lord. It's the table of thanksgiving. It's right here, it's the center of our faith. It's the instructions of Jesus that brings joy in the midst of hard time. It's receiving the bread of life with thanksgiving. This is what we do when we come to the table of the Lord. It's not a religious thing that we do. It's not a ceremonial thing. It's actually joining the Lord at his table. Paul had a messenger of Satan torment him. And he asked Jesus, he said, can you please make this stop? Paul actually records it. He asked him three times. And in his letter to the church in Corinth, Paul talked about it and he said in 2 Corinthians 12, he says, I asked God to make it stop. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. That grace, that charis, which is found in the presence of the Lord at his table. I I feel like Paul understood this. Paul received of the grace of God. He was able to commune with God. And this is what we need to be able to do in this time, right here in our living rooms. The join in the grace of God. To enjoy the presence of the Lord. Now, we can't ignore the problems of the world. We can't just invent our own news and say things don't matter. That's that's not helpful. It's not truthful. It's not honest. Denying problems is not faith. Paul didn't deny his problems. Jesus didn't deny his troubles. We can't deny our troubles. Jesus doesn't actually want us to. He wants us to bring them to the table in the presence of God and give thanks to God in the midst of them. Literally sitting down at the table in the presence of our enemies. This is the table the Lord has prepared for us. Like Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 that he has been perplexed but not given to despair. Man, I've been perplexed in this season. I don't know when it's going to end. I just feel like what's next?
0: for people, and people matter to God. And he was shouting this message to us. He he was shouting this message to the earth. He's shouting this message to his church, and we were listening, and we still are. We knew we were on the right track. Even though we weren't gathering in person, we knew that the Spirit of God is in the midst of our fellowship. It felt a little bit like the New Testament church, where they couldn't get together in the temple But they gathered house to house. They gathered in communities. We gathered in little online communities. We gathered strengthening friendships, strengthening relationships, strengthening our bond one to another. And we just started seeing how important people were to God. And we started rejecting structures and religious systems that did not find people important that thought that they were more important than the people God came to save. And to be honest with you, I learned a new term in that season, cancel culture, because I got neck deep in it. As I started telling people, as the prophetic words started coming forth, like, listen, if you're not about people, the Spirit of God is not in what you're doing. you got to love people. you got to love the people God loves. And... Uh, man we knew what some of the original disciples were going through as people just thought that their meeting was more important that their agenda was more important that man it was it got super super crazy in that season if you remember and uh, I, 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 I got I got canceled and many of my friends many of you got canceled because they thought people thought that we cared about people too much. Um, but we, we were on, we were tracking with God. The pandemic was going nuts. The world started going a little kooky, but God spoke a word to us. He told us what we, watch this. Here's, here's a video of it. Watch this. I
1: was talking to God. I was talking to him about the prophetic words that have come out that were all false. All the big name prophets who've gotten it absolutely wrong. And I said to him, "Lord, why why didn't you why didn't you warn us? Why didn't you tell anyone?" And I'm just going to share with you my personal relationship with Jesus. I said, "Why didn't you tell us?" And he said, "I said, "Why do you tell anyone?" He said, "I told you." So, what are you talking about you told me? I didn't hear anything about coronavirus. I didn't hear anything about COVID-19. Then he began to talk to me. He began to talk to me about, remember last year when I started sharing with this house about the addiction to certainty. Remember when I began talking to you about your need to feel in control. Remember when I began talking to your house about, you can't put your faith in the economy. You can't put your faith in money. You, you, you cannot put your faith in the American dream. You have to trust God no matter what happens. This is the God of the Bible. If we just said COVID-19 or coronavirus, and all of a sudden we think that the enemy is a virus from China when really the enemy is that our faith is in our stuff. The real enemy is that our faith hasn't been in Jesus. It's been in our ability to control our circumstances. In other words, in this season, we need to get ready to surrender. This is what he was telling us. Get ready in 2020 to surrender. Because there are going to be some circumstances you can't control. And if you need control, it's going to be a bad season. Now, we can focus on the beautiful things in this world. We need to turn from meditating on the struggle that we're in in this crazy season to the struggle Christ went through for us we need to kind of reframe what's happening around us. Don't don't turn to pop psychology. Don't turn inward in this season to see what we're made of or to find a new inner strength, as they like to say. If you're going to turn inward, find the Spirit of God that empowers you to cry out, Abba, Father. This is what we need to be turning to in this season. There were a lot of prophetic words that came That weren't from God. But this is a great exercise. Like, how do we process prophetic words? And if I can get any lesson out of this season, we know a real prophetic word comes if it calls me to carry my cross, to turn the other cheek, to go the extra mile, to remember the poor, to remember the infirm, to serve the elderly. If a prophetic word doesn't challenge us to live the Sermon on the Mount, to be concerned about the things that Christ was concerned about, it's not a prophetic word at all.
0: As we got into June, we recognized that we were in a Kairos moment. We don't get a lot of those in the church. We don't get a lot of times that we know God is in this moment in time right now. And in June, we knew we were in a Kairos moment. God was speaking something. There was a prophetic season we had entered into in the United States at Revival Life Church. Something special was in the air. And we, we had a theme in the midst of the struggle. Do not let what God is doing go to waste. Don't waste your Kairos moment. Don't waste this prophetic season. What God is doing and shifting our focus toward people, toward the hurting and and." And, 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 and we, here, let me just show you what we talked about.
1: Those of you who were alive a little bit before me, uh, my, uh, the generation before me who were alive in the 60s and 70s, you probably remember, if you were alive for them, the uh, Vietnam protests of the 60s, the civil rights movement, the anti-war protests. Those of you who are older, my my mom would tell me about protests that she went to uh, against the war in Vietnam. My father, of course, served in Vietnam. And you may find yourself, if you're of this generation, you may find yourself, if you're not careful, you'll talk about the protests of today just like your parents talked about the protests of your generation. They dismissed them as a rebellious, younger generation that just doesn't get it. Who's out of touch. Who aren't realistic. Who are dreamers. And I'm telling you, God is inviting this country into a dream in this season. The God possibility in this season. The protests of the 60s, they changed America. And they changed the church. You remember, I believe his name was Dr. Timothy O'Leary. He had this saying. He was older than all the protesters of the 60s. And uh, he came from their parents' generation, the silent generation, some call it. And he had this saying, turn on, tune in, drop out. They're like, hey, let's get our mind right and we'll just disconnect from the world. And the generation before mine said, no, we're not disconnecting from the world. We're going to change the world for the better. And their parents said, no, you're all hippies, you're Growing your hair out. You're going against the rules. Don't you don't understand our wisdom. And they said, no, we see something better. And the older generation, they rejected the hippies. And someone decided, hey, let me sit down and talk to some of these people. Let me see what they're about. Let me see what's happening. And a man named Chuck Smith, of course, met a young hippie named Lonnie Frisbee. And revival began in the midst of of that generation. And of course, they started the Calvary Chapel Church Network. And out of that conversation was born the Jesus movement of the 60s that many of the biggest preachers in the world today came out of. Many of the movements, biggest movements in the world today came out of that Jesus people movement and that Jesus people generation because somebody cared enough to figure out what was going on. We have to care what's happening right now. We can't just fire off a tweet. Can't just dismiss a generation. We can't dismiss 15 years worth of the people we've raised, 20 years worth, and just say, ah, they don't don't get it. Now, I want to remind you of something I said last week. We only have solutions for the problems we identify with. When there's someone else's problems, we don't have solutions. But when we identify with those problems, Now God can speak through us baby boomers out there. If I could just speak to you for a moment and possibly those of you who are gen X like me, we should be better equipped to minister to a younger generation that sees something we don't. We should be better equipped to minister to a younger generation that is Irritated by something that maybe your generation or people in my generation aren't irritated by. Just like the silent generation didn't care about the problems of the 60s and 70s. I'm seeing many of that same generation not caring about the problems of the millennials, of Gen Z. And I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is doing something significant in this season. God has given us an opportunity to win a generation to him. But we have to care. About what they care about. We have to identify. With this generation. That is now shaping history.
0: And was the word that came forth. Do you? Are you able to see the pain. In the crowd of the protesters. Who are tired of. Seeing injustice. Uh, can you and you see the needs of the person in front of you. And we decided that we have to allow the heart of God to create in us a heart of compassion. We said, I'm not going to get bitter. I'm not going to lose focus on the big picture here. We are going to get closer to Jesus in this season and His love and compassion. We recognize that compassion releases the power of of God, and we need the power of God in this season. Many people cried about what's going on in our nation. They cried about what was going on in Bible times as well. Jeremiah cried. He identified with the plight of man. He identified with the hurting people. If you're grieved by what happened in 2020, man, that's good news. That means that your soul is still alive. You still have integrity. You still have honesty, decency, fortitude. We, we, and we need to hold on to those and courage to change things that are happening around us. And as we talked about this, it seemed so clear that this is what God was doing. And folks didn't seem to be getting it, though. And we just kept crying out like a, like a prophetic voice in the wilderness. And, and we just had to start getting it Getting plain with it. We had to make a plain, as we used to say. And so we started talking. Love God. Love others. Prove it. I mean, you say you love, but can you prove it? We said, yeah. Watch us. Watch us serve our neighbors. Watch us stay in community. Watch us continue with generosity towards God and towards my neighbor. Watch me stay faithful. Watch me strengthen. Watch me show my love. We started really focusing on our first Saturday serves. We're, we're going to prove the love of God is on the inside of us. We, we just recognize if we're really operating in the Spirit of God, the fruit of love would be seen. The main oppression that Jesus came to set us free was the power of sin and death, which often just looks like selfishness. When we look at Jesus, Jesus is on the other side with the oppressed. He's looking for those who have been counted out by society, and we said, we're going to go help them. We're going to associate ourselves with the hurting. We're going to associate those with the marginalized. Jesus set us free from sin so we can love, and love radically. Our radical faith is the bridge between a broken world and the healing power of Jesus. This, this is what we learn in 2020. We don't have to be a victim of our society or our age. We can be the bridge. And people still weren't getting it, it seems, and so we had to make it even more plain. We had to tell them, do justice. We base this on Micah 6.8. Micah said, he's told you, mortal one, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. Do justice, love kindness, walk with humility. We got back to basics the basics of the Word of God, the basics of the compassion of Jesus. And I tell you, I feel stronger than ever. Our church feels stronger than ever. And Getting back to the call of Christ on our lives and the call of Christ on the church. Man, it was nourishing to my bones. And so we said, we're going to explore some of the sins of our fathers that caused problems in our current thinking. And then we're just going to get into the Gospels. We're going to get into the Gospels and just learn the ways of Jesus. And what did we learn? Man, in the midst of pandemic, racial craziness, a bizarre, bizarre political season, God's strength in families. We lost some people in our lives, but when we look at the people we lost, Jesus said there would be a shaking in the church. He said He would shake out those things that aren't really built on the rock Jesus Christ. And a lot of people are involved in the church as a transactional means. They're hanging around for what it can do for me, not necessarily how they've given their lives to Christ. Other people, if you're not making me feel good today, I'm not necessarily going to stick around. But our families grew stronger. Our relationships, the important ones in our lives, grew stronger. And Jesus, as He said He would do, He would pare the tree. He would prune the tree so it could bring forth more good fruit. And friend, I tell you, 2020 has been not great. I'm, I'm ready to see the end of the road for 2020. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to see this thing move to the next season, but there's no way I'm going to let the lessons that I learned this year go to waste. Man, we're going into 2020 strong. We're going into 2020 more invigorated, more committed to Jesus Christ and His church, more committed to South Florida, more committed to see the Holy Ghost of God move move in significant ways in South Florida. We've just begun to see miracle signs and wonders. I believe an outpouring of the Spirit is coming, and we'll see revival in South Florida that will look like the first century church with this new fruit after the Lord has pruned His bride. So, you know, we can say goodbye to 2020. Hopefully soon we can say goodbye to these masks. And I am looking forward to celebrating 2021. How about you? I'm ready to have a happy new year. Now, next week, I have some big announcements to make. I am so excited about the stuff we're going to be launching in 2021. I, man, you want to come? The Lord has given me like a, a really fresh word for 2021. I have a, man, we were on for 2020. We are going to be on for twenty twenty. One. We set out this year to see Jesus more clearly, and if you see something more clearly, that means some of the lenses are going to be washed off your eyes, and I don't know about you, but that, that's definitely happened to many of us. We see Jesus more clearly than we ever have, in 2021, He's going to build upon that. I'm super excited. This last uh, week, the worship team showed us their new song, and I just figured... What better to go out from this service than to worship one more time with that new song? Are, 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 are you ready? What's the name of that song? Nothing Between Us. Nothing Between Us. Nothing between. I, I can't sing quite as good as them, but come on. Let's do this. And let me close with this. In the chat, go ahead and wish happy... New Year's to people. Wish a happy, safe, and healthy, prosperous New Year. Go ahead and tell people a couple things you're thankful for from this year. And let's come into 2021 committed to Christ. Committed to the church. Committed to one another. Committed to our call. Committed to South Florida. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would bless each and every one of these that are listening. Father, that you would overshadow them and bring them back until we can meet again in good health. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Love you guys. I'll see you next Sunday right here.